Man, let me tell y'all. I have performance anxiety like a SOB. I, I, I don't think y'all understand. When I get ready to pot, it's really crazy that I really just get in my head for so long trying to figure out, like, let's make sure that I do the pot right. Let me not mess it up. And then I'm just like, bro, just record. Like, you know what you're doing? Hold on, man. My game is messed up. Trying to watch the Lakers game while I'm recording. But I done pressed the wrong darn button and put picture in a darn picture instead of watching full screen. There we go. Sorry about that, y'all. But, yeah, like, I, I have performance anxiety. Not like y'all, some of y'all who can't get right. No, 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 no. I can get right. I'm, I be right. <laughs> I ain't, don't get left now. I get right. But, anyway, hey, 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 it's the B. Mother, y'all know I ain't gonna do that, baby. And I'm back, and I want to talk to y'all about a lot of stuff. Man, look here, man. Government giving out crack pipes. Now, I, I'm sure there's some bigger picture to this, but uh, apparently the government is giving out crack pipes to ensure that crack addicts are best protected from all of the terrible things that can come from a crack pipe. No, we're not going to protect you from crack. We're going to protect you from the pipe. We're not going to protect you from a drug that, you know, has ruined many lives. We're not going to protect you from a drug that, if laced with the wrong thing, fentanyl, will will kill you. No, 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 no. We're going to protect you from the dirty crack pipes. Now, crazy thing about a crack pipe is... A crack pipe ain't worth a piece pipe. A crack pipe ain't worth a sixpence. A crack pipe ain't worth a penny if you ain't got no crack to put in it. So what are we doing here? Now, if we believe what happened in the 80s is the crack epidemic, that crack was put into black communities to, you know, break up the nuclear home, to get black fathers out of the home, to put them in jail, to have them strung out and not have them as high functioning individuals. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Back then it was it was covert. Now they say, hey, crackheads, we giving out crack pipes, clean crack pipes. So what's going to happen? What? Do, Either you're going to use crack with a clean pipe or you, <laughs> we're going to catch you with the crack because we know who got the pipes in. <laughs> Behind bars you go. But either way, nothing good can come from this. There's nothing that good that can come from this. And if the idea is that we're trying to help out our addicts and we're going to try to put in some pro uh, processes and procedures, we're going to try to put in some measures to keep them safe from the drugs? How about we try to get them off of drugs? How about we provide um, rehab facilities for them? How about we, we we find halfway houses for them? How about we try to find jobs for these people? How about we try to figure out at, at their core what makes them want to uh, uh, go to the pipe uh, um, so they can feel right? No, no, no. We just go give them clean pipes. You don't want to talk about cracker crumbs and trying to white shit up, you know, just to make it white. I mean, excuse me, make it right. This is what I'm talking about. And it makes you feel like, is there a bigger issue here at hand? Are we really trying to just tell people to 
<laughs> it's a pipe, man. Like, what are we doing, man? So I'm and, I, and I'm sure there's the there's a bigger picture to this. That's what's going on than than what gets reported on social media. I'm sure that there are people who are like, hey, man, oh. We're trying to, you know, clean up drug use. And we understand that there are uh, people who abuse drugs and we can't just we just can't, you know, stop them cold turkey. No, I understand that. Yes, I understand that. But I I think it's wild. I think it's crazy to to promote. Hey, we're spending 30 million dollars of taxpayer money on clean crack pipes. When instead, we just can't clean up the crack heads so we can get rid of the crack pipes, you know. Let's take that $30 million and spend it there. You know what I mean? Let's invest that in a community of, of crackheads so these crackheads are no longer crackheads. They are functional members of society. How about that? Let's not enable them. Well, you know what? I guess they want to keep them on crack. So instead of just, you know, falling crack into the hood, now we're just going to hand out crack pipes left and right, you know. But what do I know? Black History Month, a.k.a. Black Money Month. I wanted to come on here and say a bunch of like, oh, yeah, it's Black History Month. Like, lift every voice and sing. You know, I can't sing, but, you know, earth and heaven might ring with the harmonies of liberty. And that's all I'm trying to give y'all here at 10 o'clock on this Tuesday night. Yes, sir, on 10 o'clock on this Tuesday night. I'm just trying to lift my voice and sing so earth and heaven rings and the harmonies of liberty because liberty is what's most most important here but oh man the trip to getting there man it's so long right but i say black history month aka black money month is what we're now seeing is that everybody's trying to capitalize off black history month because they'll just sell y'all niggas anything just just to make some money oh it's black history month Let's do this. Let's have black inspired candles. Kenty cloth inspired candles. A bed bath bath and body works. Whatever that shit is, right? Let's just do that. And uh oh yeah, the black people see the Kenty cloth candles and they will buy it. Got it. Let's do all this Afrocentric stuff and Oh, yeah, man, it's Black History Month. They'll buy it. Let's go on TikTok and make these weird TikTok posts acting like, you know, why does Black History Month exist? You point at your white self. Yeah, okay. If you can't money, you can get some clout off of it. I know. But when you think about this, do you know how, like, insensitive that is to black people? Do you know how that just, like, you know, just really just looks at the, the plight of black Americans say fuck you pay me <laughs> like literally it's like fuck you pay me because all you're doing is you're taking something that means a lot to a, a group of people and what may have been well-intentioned when it began now it's being exploited by those who just care about the dollar who it's 50 cent you know what I mean and it I ain't gonna say it makes me want to cry, but. Hold up, big baby! Hold up, big baby! 
it just really just it, it really just puts me in a weird place to where it's like, my God, you just want to monetize my pain? It's like spitting in my face. It's like slapping me in my mouth and spitting in my face, right? You you go, hey, look here, you're black, you're less than. Okay, so we're gonna give you the shortest month of the year. I'm gonna give you the shortest month of the year to let you know how much we we care about you so that we can focus on black history. Now, now we're going to tell you which black history we're going to focus on. We're not going to talk about Black Wall Street. You know what I mean? We're going to talk about Martin Luther King Jr. You know, we're not going to talk too much about the Black Panthers, but we'll talk about SNCC, you know, and not to take away from the movements that are talked about. Not going to do that. But what I'm trying to say is you, you can't allow your oppressor to pick the message to teach to you about yourself, right? But that's what black history is, because guess what? We don't make our own curriculums, but we knew that, you know. So now it's at a point to where we have to be on the on the front end of what it is that we're trying to teach uh, about Black History Month. And then there becomes no standardized Black History Month agenda, which is fine. I don't want it to be standardized because there's a lot of stuff black going on out here. So as long as we're providing that information, we're providing that teaching, that instruction, who cares? Keep teaching it. But Black History Month. Let me talk about modern blackface, because last year I, I, I discussed modern blackface during Black History Month, and it was in response to a politician who was who was not uh, – a a a ADOS, you know, African descendant of slaves, African descendant of slavery, who was pretty much saying, "Let's get let's let's abolish Black History Month." And I was like, "No, you're not fit to say that, because being black is much more complex than your skin, right?" And no knock to any culture of people with dark skin with black skin who are melanated who are not african descendants of slaves but i can't speak for those who created black history month but i can say that it's focused on the plight of african descendants of slaves and then the modern African-American or the modern black American in America. So when somebody who is not an African descendant of slave, but has recently come to America says we should get rid of black history, bro, we're not talking about you or your history. We're not. We're not talking about the history from the country in which you came. We're talking about the history of the people who look like you in the country that you live in right now. And for you to try to get rid of that, Bro, that's not even your place, man. Just shut the hell up, all right? So I put that post, I had that post out there, and for some odd reason, the the, the YouTube algorithms really like that post, and it's picking up a bunch of steam right now. Shout out to YouTube. I'll take it, you know. Cancel me. But then when I see it, and people are like, oh, you were just one of those people trying to divide black people and all of this stuff. I mean, a little bit, yeah, kind of. You're trying to rate a level of blackness to people? No, not really, because blackness is a color. Uh, I, I don't really think blackness is a culture. So who am I to say that, oh, this is what's black, this is what's not black? No, I'm not going to say that, because if we're looking at just skin color, I can't be the police of what people with who, who have a certain level of melanin in their skin do. 
Now, if you want to talk about culture, I can speak a little bit to culture, especially as a African descendant of slaves in, in the rural South. Yes, I can speak to black culture because that's what I live. But what is black? I mean, really, 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 what is black? I feel like black is the color of this, this water bottle right here. I feel like black is the color of this hat right here with the X on it. I feel like black is the color of this koozie with a beer in it. I feel like black is the color of this Wall Street in Tulsa on the back on my shirt. I feel like the background, you know what I'm saying, is gray shirt with a black, black, right? I feel like that's what black is. But look at my skin. Is it black? Oh, really? can't really tell i think these headphones are black i think i'm brown right but let, let's not get too deep into semantics but the thing is there are many definitions of what black is so i got a good friend he's haitian if you look at him you're gonna say he's black i don't disagree with that but if you ask him what he is he's gonna tell you he's haitian he's haitian american why because haitian is his culture if you ask me what my culture is, I'm going to say black American. Why? Because I have melanin in my skin. I am from America as far as I know. So I can only trace my history reasonably to my American descendants. But there are many types of black people. And I think bunching all of us together is dismissive of our diversity. Now, if you're using it as a, as a, as a short, as a easy, quick descriptor of, oh, those black people over there. Okay, sure. But then when you start talking about the black agenda or black rights or what black people want, or I have a black friend, so that's why I I, I have a past to do this. Oh, no, no, no. Now you're dismissing black people because you're not accepting, you're not realizing, you're not understanding that despite what we look like, we don't think the same. Despite what we look like, we don't think the same. We don't have the same values. We don't have the same experiences. Why? Because we are a diverse group of people. Look at the continent of Africa. If you look at them from a from from uh from the from the sky, right? You'd say that oh, bunch of black people. But it's various countries with various religions, with various experiences. You know whether it's um. Whether it's um, you know, captivity. Whether it's 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 liberty. You know what I mean. Whether it's um, West Africa. Whether it's East Africa. Whether it's South Africa. You know, all of these people have had different experiences. But it, you wouldn't just say a Nigerian has the same experience as an Ethiopian. That has the same experience as an Egyptian. That has the same uh, experience as a, as a South African. You know what I mean. You wouldn't do that. Just like if we take it to Europe, you wouldn't say that a a Englishman is an Irishman, is an Italian, is a Spaniard. You know what I mean? You wouldn't do that. Just because there are skin similarities does not mean that there are cultural similarities. Just because their skin looks the same doesn't mean that their culture is the same. So we got to be very specific with what we talk about. So when we talk about Black History Month, we're talking about, to me, we're talking about the history specifically of the Black American. Because this is America, and this is where we celebrate the, the, the this this holiday, this month. 
What is an African-American? There's two types. There's a general African-American that's me because I have, I, I am, I descend from Africa. Where out in Africa? Hell if I know. I'm sure I could sp uh, give some, a scam of some money to tell me where I came from and uh, he'll tell me and I can believe it, but you know, I don't freaking know. But then also you have uh, the African-Americans who are descendants of Africa. Either they came from Africa or their parents came from Africa and they are African-Americans. There's a difference. Culturally, there's a difference. Physically, there are slight differences. Skin color might be similar. But they're different. Why? Because I have an Amer more of an American influence. They have more of an African influence. But if you say, oh, yeah, they're African-American, they're the same. Yeah, okay. You tell that to a Spanish-American or Italian-American. I mean, somebody, a uh, uh, second generation from Spain, second generation from Italy, parents grew up in the home country. And you say, oh, yep, y'all are white, y'all are the same. Tell them like the fuck out of here. I'm not like him. You know what I mean? It's not gonna happen. So why does it happen in the black community? Why are we marginalized by our skin tone? Why does America classify diverse groups of people by color? And this is not just a black thing. This is a this is a brown thing. This is a yellow thing. This is a white thing. You name you name the color of people in America, and they are marginalized to their color. They are like, oh, they're black. They're all the same. No. American born, uh, uh, Caribbean born, African born. We're different. Mexican, Guatemalan, Salvadorian, Brazilian, South American. Yeah. Oh, they're just all brown. No, no, they're not. I mean, they're brown. Yeah, but they're different. Culturally, they're different. The foods they eat are different. The values that they live by are different. Oh, yeah, they, they speak the same language. Oh, yeah, they speak Spanish. No, yeah, no, habla inglés. Yeah, yeah, habla español. Yeah, si, 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 señor. Yeah, but, there's, but that doesn't mean that they are the same. Because they're not. Or, oh, 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 yeah. Chinese, that, Japanese, dirty knees, look at these. You know, that was a little joke growing up. But no, that's dismissive of what's going on there. Because you meet somebody from Thailand who is yellow. Versus somebody from China who is yellow, the Chinese don't even rock with the with with the Thai, the Thai folks, yeah. But yellow folks, Asian lives matter. Yeah, I mean, to who? Who do the Asian lives matter to? Because some Asians don't rock with other Asians, which is normal. It's like some whites don't rock with other whites, some blacks don't rock with other blacks, and some browns don't operate. Operate with other Browns, but we got to get rid of these simplistic terms to describe diverse groups of people. Because once you simplify something that's diverse, you just rob that group of who they are. You rob you rob yourself of learning uh, about these people because you're just throwing them into a basket. You go, like I say, Chinese, that Japanese, they need to look at these. Chinese and Japanese ain't the same thing. Somebody from Thailand is not the same as, as the Japanese. And then, oh, my God, what about the people in the Middle East or the Indians? Uh, well, they're from Asia. Okay. But just because they're from Asia don't mean that everybody in Asia has the same cultural beliefs. I know some Asian countries uh, are into Buddha. Others are into Allah. And others are into... Dang, bro, I can't think of it. You know, the, the cow worshipers. Oh, man, that sounds so ignorant. I'm sorry. 
But yeah, I mean, there's a diverse group of religions in different countries that are on the same continent. So if you're trying to put all these people in the same category, you're ignorant. You're ignorant. You're ignorant. What's more important, color or culture? And just because we separate people of the same color because of different culture does not mean that one is superior. Separation does not mean superiority. No, it just means we're different. There's nothing wrong with being different. Just because I'm different from you doesn't mean that I hate you. But here's the thing. Here's what I want you to take from all of this. I've been talking about this for longer than I thought I would. Don't assume who I am because of what I look like. Get to know me. Have a conversation with me. And I'll do the same for you. I won't assume that you are a certain person because you are a certain color. Because just because you are a certain color does not mean you are of a certain culture. And I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to ask you to do the same for me. All right, now, get down and lay down. Yay, yay, you know, death row records. Get down or lay down because if you don't want to get down with what we're doing over here, cuz, then you know what I mean? You're going to have to lay down. And that's police culture. Roughly two years ago, George Floyd was a victim of police brutality, tragically losing his life during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, at a time where many Americans were at home and they were able to sit and watch this happen. They didn't have to go to work that next morning. They didn't have to run errands that morning. They were able to sit with their thoughts. They were able to sit with this George Floyd travesty, watch it, think on it, and go, oh, my God. It's time for change. And Derek Chauvin has been has been sentenced. He's doing 22 years, and now the other officers who were involved are standing trial. And I listened to an interesting um, uh, podcast, news podcast. Shout out to uh, my guy Josh Holsey for sending that over to me. Even though he doesn't answer my calls on the pod, but shout out to Josh for sending me that because it gave me a very interesting, you know, perspective because I probably wouldn't have even talked about this as a topic, but he, he sent it to him and I go, you know what? That's a topic. So well, I want to talk about Jay Alexander Kwong. If I say his last name wrong, Kung Kwong, whatever. We're gonna call him Alex, okay? He was one of the police officers along with Derek Chauvin, he was physically on top of George Floyd. He's half Nigerian, half white, and he was raised by his white mom in a colorblind household. So again, when I tell you skin color and culture aren't the same thing, this is a prime example of it. Because if you look at him, he, he I mean, he's light-skinned, obviously because he's mixed, but he, he appears to be black. But culturally... He was raised a little bit differently from your typical black American household, right? He was raised in a colorblind household by somebody of a different color. And unfortunately, let's talk about that. Hey, look, man, 
if you are white and you're going to raise a black kid, don't raise them in a colorblind household, right? Because the world's not colorblind. You're not colorblind. There are very few people in this world who are actually colorblind. And, and so don't raise your kid in this, in this fake society, right? Don't raise them in this utopia that, oh, everybody is treated the same based on their, their merits. No, this is not a meritocracy. This is not the world that we live in. And guess what? This, this kid, this grown man is black. He needs to know that he's black. He needs to understand coming from the house that he lives in that he will be treated differently in certain environments because he's black. Now, you can teach him how wrong it is because it's wrong. And my mama taught me the same thing that, hey, you're going to be treated differently by certain people. And it's not right. And I'm not telling you to accept it, but I'm telling you it exists so that you're aware of it. So when it happens, you're not shocked. You're not like, oh, my God, I can't believe they called me a nigger. No, I know that exists. I know it's a reality, especially where I grew up at. Because here's what happens when you are when you are this I when you are this 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 white savior who's trying to help out, but you're teach but you're raising this this black kid in this in this in this utopia that you want the world to be that you live in that you can afford to live in because you have white privilege, uh, but but your kid can't live in. You do that. You do that human being a disservice because they grow up to be a delusional adult. Now, I'm not accusing this happening in this situation with Alex, the, the cop from Minneapolis, but I'm just using it as a bigger picture that if you're going to raise black kids, you got to understand that there are black kids. They need to understand that there are black kids and not that they're, they're biracial. Okay, yeah, you can be biracial. You can be biracial because guess what? Me and my girlfriend, we're not the same race. And when we have kids together, they're going to be biracial. They're going to be Afro-Latino, not like Afro-Latino, like a Dominican. They're going to be like half black, half, half Salvadorian. But guess what? In the eyes of most people, they're going to be niggas. And guess what their daddy going to teach them? How to move, shake, and function like a nigga. In an environment that you're not wanted in. Why? Because that's life in America. I'm not going to paint this picture of, oh, yes, your mother and I accept each other for who we are despite our cultural and racial differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we did that. But that's not everybody. And if we're going to be honest, that's not going to be everybody in your family. Now, most of the family members are going to be like that. They're not going to give a damn. But you're going to have some who are going to look at you differently because you ain't all the way either or. You know what I'm saying? You ain't all the way black. You ain't all the way Salvadorian. So they're going to look at you differently. Some of your cousins might look at you differently. That's reality. And you need to know that. I'm not going to be like, no, it's colorblind. Everybody is open-minded as I am. Everyone is open-minded as your mom is, your grandmother, your grandfather, your other grandmother, your other grandfather. No, that's not reality. We can't we can't live like that, no. But you got to get down or lay down. Because Alex wanted, said he wanted to change he wanted to change cop society, right? He wanted to change, uh, the, change the cop culture from the inside. But the problem is, in order to do that, you got to get down or lay down. Unfortunately, he got down all right. He, he got down and he laid down. He got down and he helped lay down on George Floyd, which resulted in George Floyd's death. 
See, the thing is, the thing that makes it difficult is you go to the academy, they teach you how to be a cop, and then you have to go out and get field training. When you're dealing with your field training officer, your FTO, that's who signs off on you becoming a cop, 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 cop. He gives you your snout. You can't get a snap without going through your FTO, right? So that's a joke. I'm, I'm not anti-police. I'm just anti-bad police. But here's the thing, right? You you have to get that field training officer to sign out, sign off on you being ready to 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 be a full-fledged cop. And you believe in your field training officer because that's who's really teaching you the ropes now. Don't get me wrong. You learn what you learn in the academy, but once you get out there on the street and you're applying those lessons, that field training officer, he's the first true police officer, sheriff, deputy that you're working with, whatever organization, institution you're going through. He's teaching you the ropes. He or she's teaching you the ropes. So whatever he or she is teaching you, that's what you're taking um, as as what you want to go by. So the the way they teach you, is what you're going to initially do until you get experience and get the opportunity to develop your own style. So recently, not recently, so before the the incident that happened with George Floyd, uh, Nick, excuse me, Alex, sorry, Alex, didn't get some stuff signed off for because he wasn't aggressive enough, you know. Uh, Derek Chauvin was like, hey, you need some more work because that was his FTO, which is nuts with his background. Why would he be anybody's field training officer? But uh, Minneapolis, uh, that's not a place where people like you and I, people who look like me, not you and I, because I don't know who you are. I know who I am. But people who look like me, we're not so welcome. So now... We get to the George Floyd incident, and we have Derek Chauvin showing up, takes over, and now it's knee and neck, and you have you have a man's Alex right there with him, helping him out, and he's put in a weird position where it's like, this don't seem right. This is the guy who taught me the ropes. This is the guy who who holds the keys to me being able to be a cop and to being able to actually change the system from the inside. But guess what? You're on the inside right now, and you did not have the mental fortitude. You didn't have the courage to change. I can't breathe. Mama, I can't breathe. His neck, knee on his neck, and he's not even a threat anymore. Knee on the neck. And he's not a threat, but you want to change it from the inside, but you didn't have it inside of you to change what was happening on the outside. You were right there. You had your chance. So what did you do it for? Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like that's the easy thing to do, to push back on authority, to push back on the person who holds a destiny to your career. But I, I put it in the same category to a certain degree as I put as I put those who have sex for jobs, they go, well, he sexually assaulted me because he told me if I didn't have sex with him, I couldn't get this job. Well, you wanted a job, right? So you took the sex. You made a conscious decision to, to, to be coerced into doing something that you didn't want to do to get something that you wanted, right? Now, as much as I can say that the guy who did that to you is a piece of shit, he's a disgusting person, I can also look at you and say that, hey, 
you are a victim here, but you're also a victim for your own desire for success. And at the same time, you're, you're, you're a victim of, of, of your desire of self-preservation in the uh, environment that you want to be in because M- Mr. Alex here could have could have stopped Mr. Chauvin here, but he was too, I, I assume that he was too worried about how that would go over, just like uh, who, somebody who wants a, 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 a role from Weinstein goes, I... I, I I mean, I don't want to tell Weinstein no, but I want this movie role, and I don't want him to tell other people that I'm not I'm not with the game. So I'm gonna give a little bit to get what I want. Like Parlay Pete says, you gotta give a little ass to get some ass. And guess what? That's what happened. But what happens when when it it's goes deeper than that? What happens when you get a George Floyd, right? And now you're standing trial for aiding and abetting, you know what I mean? Because you didn't interfere, you didn't interfere or intervene when you were right there. What happens when you say that you were wanting to be somebody who wanted to tr- create change from the inside and damn it, less than a week on the job, you're a fucking rookie and you got a chance to make a change and you don't do it. If you wasn't going to make the change there, when were you going to make it? Or was it just lip service? Was it Angela Yee? Was it something that just sounded good, but you wasn't really about it? Because here's the thing. Most of us aren't about changing cultures. A lot of us are about blending in and doing what it is that we want to do. Most of us just want to just, just you know, color in the lines, be just one of the guys, get paid and go home. There's not a lot of Brian Floreses out here. There's not a lot of Martin Luther Kings out here. There's not a lot of Colin Kaepernick's out here. There's not a lot of Mark Marcus, uh, Malcolm X's out here. There's not a lot of Marcus Garvey's out here. There are not a lot of people who are actually willing to, how about I shake the room? And just as much as you think you're ready to shake the room and create change, you find yourself in a situation to actually do it, but it's uncomfortable because it's not set up the way that you want to do it. You're not ready for it. What did Kevin Hart say? He wasn't ready. Alex wasn't ready to stop Derek Chauvin from taking the life of a black man. And maybe he wasn't prepared for that that day when he went to work. Maybe he didn't think it was going to happen. But damn it, we judge you on your results. We don't call Tom Brady the GOAT because he makes great passes in week seven against Buffalo. We don't call him the GOAT because, you know, he he beat the Tennessee Titans in the first round of the playoffs. We call him the GOAT because when it matters, when all eyes are looking, he drives you down the field against the greatest show on turf to set you up for a field goal, and Adam Vinatieri kicks it right through the pipes and he gets Super Bowl number one. Or he just boat races Patrick Mahomes, beats him 31-9 for Super Bowl number seven. And he's just absolutely immaculate for the other five in between. That's what makes you great when you rise up in the biggest moments. And you make a difference. I don't care what you do on a routine day. It's easy to be like, hey, man, hold on. Let's not do this. Let's approach it this way. Before there's any pressure. It's easy to have uncomfortable conversation with people who think differently from you. Oh, it's so easy. It, hell, it's easy for me to get on this podcast and condemn uh, um, 
oppression from the whites, oppression from the others, uh, to, 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 to be pro-black. It's easy to do that on this podcast because there's no pushback. And for those who push back, I tell you, don't listen. But it's much harder just to go somewhere, to go to the grocery store and a shirt that says Black Wall Street or a shirt that says Blessed and Black or a shirt that says Black and Called or a shirt that says Stop Killing Black People. That gets a little bit more difficult because now you're making people uncomfortable. You might make somebody that you like uncomfortable because of what you what you stand on. And unfortunately, this young Alex, who may have wanted to stand on something, he just he just didn't. He laid down. He got down and he laid down. But I'm not going to sit here and just condemn him for laying down because so many of you will lay down. Hell, there have been instances where I've laid down. They weren't as serious, uh, fortunate for me. And moving forward, this isn't something that I use to, to think about. Are you going to get down and lay down? Or are you going to stand up? Because if you don't stand up, then what are you doing? If Malcolm X laid down, we wouldn't sell the hats. If King did, if King would have laid down, we wouldn't have had a dream. If Obama would have laid down, we wouldn't have hope that we could believe in. So in order to be a, a, a agent for change, you can't get down, you can't lay down. You got to stand up and stand out. Because young Alex, he had the opportunity to be a hero. But like the great North said, great knight said, you either die a hero or you live to see yourself become the villain and he became the villain. And speaking of villains, Let's talk about Joe Rogan, the biggest villain right now. We got society out here trying to tell him. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Now, mind you, you can't fire Joe Rogan because he's too popular. He got too much money. He got too much going on. Too much going on for y'all to try to send him home. But let's talk about it. Talk about it. There's worse things that you can do than say the N-word. Derek Chauvin ain't called nobody a nigga as far as we know, but look what he did. You think about those police with Tamir Rice, they didn't call nobody a nigga, but look what they did. Philando Castile, there are countless instances where the N-word has not been used, but our people have been treated like Niggas, look at the NFL owners. Look at their hiring cycle. They, you get extra draft picks for diversity hires, and some of them still won't do it. Now, if they feel like they're hiring the best person for the job, then I don't want to make a diversity hire. But if you're torn in between two, the diversity hire or the non-diversity hire, and you don't really know who's better, and you don't take the draft, extra draft picks for the diversity hire that tells you everything 
you, you need to know. You're good enough to run my bar, but you're not good enough to call my plays. Now, we're calling Joe Rogan a racist for using the N-word, and I just want to say context counts. There are a lot of things that I can call Joe Rogan that I will call Joe Rogan, but initially I'm not going to call him a racist because I am open to a conversation about the use of the N-word when properly contextualized in order to, I don't know, maybe destigmatize it. I think that can be done if it's used more often. In context, it can be destigmatized or it can go a totally different way. But being, I'm workshopping shit right here, but if we're being honest, if you ain't black and you say the N word, I cringe. Every fucking time it makes me cringe. Even if I'm around somebody who's who's not black, they're singing a song and they slip up and say the N word because the N word's in the song. Even though I know they're not calling me an N, the N word, they are saying the N word, it, it, it makes me cringe. Because what I gathered from Joe Rogan was he wasn't calling anybody a nigga. He was just saying nigga. And and the thing is, context counts because when I hear how he says, I don't think he's racist. I just think he's insensitive. I think he is the prime example of white privilege. I can say and do what I want. And then I don't really have to deal with the consequences of it. And when I do have to deal with the consequences of it, I'm just going to take this little victim role and like, well, I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't show off pictures with my black friends and Jay Prince is going to come to my defense and Donnell Rollins and Dave Chappelle is my guy. And I go, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Karen, Joe Karen Rogan. That, that That's all Karen behavior, but that's really what, white privilege look and leverage looks like look like right because do i think he's a racist no do i think he's entitled yes but all the people who are calling to cancel joe rogan y'all don't listen to him because if you listen to him you would already know that this is what he was on like this this wasn't new if spotify pulled off 70 episodes of his podcast for his use of the n-word and you get mad today when the clip resurfaces of his inward compilation, you didn't listen. So why the fuck do you really care? Because he's not making podcasts for you and you're not listening for his podcast. Now I'm going to get into censorship a little bit later, but the, the, the fans really know like when they did the Joe Budden smear campaign and they were like isolating clips to talk about, uh, some of the grotesque things that Joe Budden was doing, I'm like, eh, that's not contextualized properly because I watched the podcast. I know what Joe actually does. So, no, I'm not rocking. But here's my problem. Here's my problem with Joe Budden because his black friends come outside and they, par- and they parade around for him and they 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 vouch for him and i have no issue with them vouching for joe but my issue then becomes with you like how come he didn't know better i promise you every single white friend i have know that it's not okay for them to use the n-word in any context i can't say that they won't do it 
But when Joe does his apology and says he didn't know that he couldn't you he couldn't repeat it, I, I promise you my white friends know. I let them know. You my nigga, but I'm not your nigga, and you won't say nigga around me, and I'll say nigga around you whenever I feel like it, nigga. All right. I bet, my nigga. Because the N-word is the most unique word in the English language. It is a word that describes so many things, but depending on who says it, it has so much of a different effect. It does. And as somebody who uses the N-word, yes, I use the N-word avidly. I'm an avid N-word user. I still understand, you know, something about it because the thing, here's the thing about the N-word. It's like, ooh, I want to say it so bad. I want to say it. It's like the hot, it's the hot iron. It's the hot iron and stuff. I just want to touch it, see what it feels like. What does it feel like to say, what's up, my nigga? <laughs> what y'all niggas over there doing? I know you want to say it, but you can't. But back to Joe, Joe Rogan's black friends, Dave Chappelle, uh, uh, Donnell Rollins, and whoever else is out here riding for him. Jay Prince, you too. I don't know if you know him personally, but you're riding for him. You're saying he, you, you forgive him. That's fine. But here's the thing. Y'all are the token niggas. And so all of the token niggas become the voice of the rest of us. And once once we... Once we start allowing the token to speak for the masses, uh, the message gets lost because what did I tell you? I told you all that we're all different. We're a diverse group of people. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different beliefs, and we all uh, move differently. So when somebody says that, oh, I don't mind Joe Rogan saying the N-word, and Joe Rogan goes, oh, well, my 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 black friend said I can say the N-word. My nigga said I can say nigga, so shit. Y'all niggas need to get over it. No, that's not how it works because that nigga don't speak for this nigga. You see what I'm saying? Like, I got black friends. Shout out to my nigga Wayne. He don't use the N-word. It's not in his vocabulary. It's not in his vernacular. You're not going to hear him say it. I feel uncomfortable using around using it around him sometimes. I'm being honest, yes. Because I don't want to be disrespectful to him and what he believes in and what he stands on. So if I know a black man who can eat, who, who who can say it whenever he wants to and nobody's going to be upset, but he holds himself to a standard not to say, who the hell is Joe Rogan to think that he can say it? Well, I didn't, I didn't call anybody a nigga. I just said nigga. Hey, well, nigga, I said, fuck you. You can't say that shit. But this is what happens. When you're the token, if I had a token for every token who will stick his neck out there for the white man who loves him, I'd be a rich summer bitch. Just think about it. If you had a token for every time the token comes out and defends his oppressor, the oppressor, uh, we'd be rich. Donnell Rollins, I love Donnell Rollins, great comedian, but he comes out and he defends Joe Rogan. Here's the thing, I don't think Joe Rogan's racist. I just think he's entitled and he needs to be checked. Like, hey, you can't call nobody no nigga. You can't use the word nigga. Even if Adam, even if Big Baby the Goat is, says, I mean, he ain't called nobody N-word, I don't think he's racist. I'm going to sit here and go, 
bro, you know society is not okay with that. So why would you do it? And I mean, in so many spaces, there isn't a societal standard, but the N-word is pretty solid. If you're not black, don't say it. But then you have you have the tokens like 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 Tiki Barber, and this is going back to the NFL when when uh, the Mara family was catching flack for their hiring practices and how they were treating Brian Flores. Tiki Barber comes out and and, and is pretty much defending him. He, not pretty much, he is defending him, saying that they're not racist. They hire black players, you know, like, bro. So what they play? They pay black players millions of dollars to support their billion dollar enterprise duh they about a dollar who the it's 50 cent they were about they coins they about they check and just because they'll pay a black person to be on their team doesn't mean they'll pay a black person to lead their team they haven't had a black head coach they haven't had only black quarterback they had take snaps with them was geno smith he was a backup I mean, so what are you saying, Tiki? But what you're doing is, you know, you are skin folks, not Kim folks. And, and what I mean by that is you are taking your experience with somebody and you are trying to make that the experience of everyone else who interacts with that person. And it's like, no, that's your experience with them. It's okay for that to be your experience. I'm okay with you embracing that experience. I'm okay with you saying like, hey, well, here's how they treated me. Like Shannon Sharp talks about, I tell people this is how so-and-so treated me, but I can't say that's going to be your experience. And if that's what you, if that's the role you're going to take, you talk about your specific experience, I'm with it. But don't speak about your experience being the experience of, of everyone else because sometimes you are the token. And I've been the token before, so I understand when I'm in those token environments, they only tolerate me because of how they met me. They're not tolerating me for who I truly am. They're tolerating me for what I have or what I'm doing. And it puts them in a place to where they're comfortable dealing with me. And I let them do it. But when you know you're the token nigga, you just can't let, you just can't, you can't let them think that your acceptance of their behavior is overall black acceptance, right? Like I remember going to bars with, with my white friends and being the token guy. And getting looked at funny by other black people who may be there. And then having to explain to some of them like, so here's what's happening, right? They think I'm a sellout. They think because I'm hanging out with y'all that like I'm not really in touch with my black self. Whoop the whoop because of perception. I go, fuck them because I don't care what they think. I don't know them niggas. But I get where they're coming from. And usually I ingratiate myself with those people. Let them know that, nah, bro. I ain't one of those guys. I'm that guy. Because I can just, you know, move and shake in different rooms. And I like to move and shake in different rooms. But see, you got to understand when I talk about uh, all, all skin folks ain't kin folks. When I talk about we're different, we're a diverse group of people. These black people speak for these black people, these token black people, they don't, they don't speak for black people. Some of us are. And some of us aren't. You see, we're different. Some of us get mad about some stuff. Some of us are okay with it. Some of us are mad at Dave Chappelle. Uh, not Dave Chappelle. Some of us are mad at Joe Rogan. Some of us aren't mad at Joe Rogan. Some of us are like, Joe Rogan is good with me. And others, 
Others of us are like, nah, fuck Joe Rogan. And some of us, like me, are in the middle and just don't really give a fuck about what Joe Rogan is doing, right? And that's where the difference falls. Like, hey, look here, bro. If you're in the camp, if you're the token, here's what I want you to do. I want you to explain your feelings and what you're okay with. And then explain the societal standard so that your friend understands it. Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang just, just shut up, dude. Let me let me let me find what Andrew Yang had to say because so so often these people be just just be speaking out the side of their mouth and they and they be and they speak out of place. And that's really what bothers me is you're speaking on things that you probably shouldn't be speaking on with with the wrong mouth. So Andrew Yang apologizes for tweet saying Joe Rogan isn't racist. Really works with black people go. I don't think Joe Rogan is a racist. The man interacts and works with black people literally all of the time. Huh? Hold up, you baby! Uh, Hold up, you baby! Hold up, you baby! Uh, Hold up, you baby! I don't think Joe Rogan is a racist. The man interacts and works with black people literally all of the time. You know, slave owners interacted and worked with black people all of the time. You know, the Klan interacted and worked with black people all of the time. Just because you like me doesn't mean that you're not racist. Like, you know. What are your hiring practices? What are your employing practices? Uh, what what type of rhetoric comes out of your mouth when I'm not around? I've been told, oh, yeah, you're a cool black person. You're not like the rest of them. Yeah, motherfucker, you racist. You like me, but you're racist. You don't like my people. And obviously, you, you don't know my people. So, Andrew Yang, shut up. You talk about people being... Uh, kin, uh, skin folk, not kin folk. Andrew Yang, you're not even my skin folk. But as somebody who is a minority in America, when you say things like you're saying, all you're doing is, for one, speaking on business that ain't got nothing to do with you. And two, you're also, as a minority, devaluing what a true relationship is, what true racism is. Like Chris Broussard talked about, I don't care if you like me because I'm black. I don't care if you don't like me because I'm black. You don't occupy enough space in my head to have that type of control over me. But I do care how you treat me and what opportunities you, you can stand in the way from and stand in the way of me from getting. So if you can stop me from getting a great job because I'm black, yeah, fuck you. You're racist. But you can still like me. Trust me. I've written reports on people at work. I've written great reports on people that I didn't like. And I've written terrible reports on people who I was cool as hell with. Why? Because I'm evaluating the work. And I'm not letting the other stuff get in the way of it. So just because somebody likes you doesn't mean that they support you and support what you stand for. So what Andrew Yang said was, all he said was, oh, I got a black friend. Oh, I've got a gay friend. Okay. You just show how short-sighted you are, and that's, you know what? Glad you didn't win the presidency. And guess what he has? 
I deleted the tweet because it was wrongheaded. It also hurt people, which is never my intent. I'm sorry. I'm learning and appreciate those who reached out to express their feelings. That's not the only tweet that hurt it, people, but this is the one that people care care about, right? Uh, look, bro, y'all got to stop deleting stuff because it hurts people's feelings. People's feelings are going to always be hurt because... Nobody is built the same. So when you when you bring up issues, when you speak on topics, you're just going to hurt people's feelings. But look, all we want to do is center and silence. Let me get some water, man. Man, I feel like today's show is so heavy. Like, I haven't made a joke in so long. Like, I just want to see what's going on, like, in my social media world right now. See if there's anything, like, funny that I can laugh at in a group text because... I no nothing. Let's see. I don't want to read that shit. Uh, yeah, there's nothing going on here. Like I, I mean, my God, it, it's just a serious podcast over here, and we're at 56 minutes, and we still going. Like this is gonna be a long podcast for y'all. I hope y'all like my voice. Uh, I'm not reading that. Let's see. What what are we doing? 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 It seems like all we want to do is censor and silence, right? Censor and silence. We just want to cancel everything. You know, change it. Here's what I say. Change the channel. Leave the metaverse. Leave the room. Go home. Close the book. No, cancel him. Cancel her. We can't discuss COVID. We can't take. We can't talk critical race theory. I don't want my kids going to a school that has Michelle Obama's book in their library. How about you take some accountability on yourself? It's not my job to satisfy you or or vice versa. If we don't talk, we can't learn, okay? So let's think about all of this stuff. All we want to do is censor and silence. Anytime we hear something that we don't like or we don't agree with, we go, cancel them. Silence them. Take it off the internet. Oh, Joe Rogan used the N-word. Take his, take his podcast down. No. Just don't listen to him. I believe in for every action there is the equal and opposite reaction. I believe in freedom of speech and freedom of consequences, right? So if somebody does something that is foul, if somebody does something that they should not do, that steps outside of the boundaries of what we are okay with, we let them do that and we respond as such. You know, if Whoopi Goldberg said something, uh, when Whoopi Goldberg said what she said about the Jewish, about the Holocaust and saying that uh, she didn't think that the Holocaust was racial, it was religious, uh, um, and now she's been educated on it, guess what? She learned. She learned. So because she learned her saying something that she got suspended for, was actually beneficial. So why suspend her? Either keep her or fire her or keep it moving. You know, if Joe Rogan truly didn't know that he could not say the N-word, which I find crazy, but you know what? I don't live his life. I don't know his experiences. So maybe he's living in a space where he's in an echo chamber. And now that he's learned that he can't use the N-word despite the context, guess what? He's a better human being because of that. He's learned. So instead of to look to center and silence, let's look to fucking 
educate. Let's educate. You know what I mean? Because we can educate and elevate those people who say things that aren't okay. But guess what? Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that it's it's an awful statement. It means that you were offended by it. You know, you got to take some accountability in what bothers you. When people go, I, I don't. I don't like what's happening on this radio station. I don't like what's happening on this podcast. Well, don't fucking listen. Nobody's making you tune into these things. And if you think that if you're so entitled to believe that everybody has to appeal to your feelings at all times, then you're delusional. And you're the problem with society today because we have so many people who believe that their feelings their thoughts, their opinions are the opinions of the masses, that they are uh, the direction in which society has to go. And no, you are a direction, but you're not the direction. You are a opinion, an opinion, but you're not the opinion. And we all have different opinions. We all have different feelings. So in order for us to actually progress, we have to have these types of conversations. So instead of censoring somebody, we should say something to them. Instead of silencing somebody, we should have a conversation with them and listen to them and respond instead of instead of censoring, silencing and doing whatever the hell we continue to do as a culture. We need to take accountability and walk away from the things that we don't like, have a conversation with those who say things that we don't like, and maybe we can find some common ground and progress as people. But what do I know? I'm just a big baby. All right, man. I got a post for y'all that I, I, you know, TK, T to to the mother, K Kirkland. He said some interesting stuff on the Breakfast Club that definitely grabbed my attention. Let me find it. Here we go. Love is for men who have. Sex, love is for men who have accomplished something. If you ain't got 25,000 in your account right now, you don't even deserve to have sex. Wow. If you had 25, you don't deserve to walk up to a woman and destroy her life. You know, let use that. Hold on, so you got to have 25,000 just to have sex. 25,000. Yeah, I believe you have that 25. Now, here's the thing. Say that one more time. I've heard you say that before. And I don't know. Right, I don't think I disagree when you say yeah, sex right. is for people with him. Imagine if you work hard all week. Okay. And Friday night, you know, you're like, God, I, I met Betty's or Karen. Man, I, I think I'll partake in some sex. <laughs> now you could take her to dinner, go to a nice movie, you know, and seduce her. Don't think she's obligated because she's going out with you. Because women like to have a nice time. If, mm-hmm. the, if the atmosphere is right, the car smelling good, you know, you got the right music going, you, you're treating her like a lady. You'd be surprised. Sex, love is for men who have accomplished. Obligated because she's going out with you. Because women like to have a nice time. If, mm-hmm. the, if the atmosphere is right, the car smelling good, you know, you got the right music going, you, you're treating her like a lady. You'd be surprised what can happen. But men don't take the time That's to right. invest or... They don't want to put the, and they think if this one don't do it, it's a wrap. But yo, you ain't, it ain't. Man, let me tell you something, bro. I, I, 
I, I've gotten behind a lot of things that TK Kirkland has said, but I can't get behind that one. Here's why. Sex existed before money. Now, do I think that if you are in a space where you're not managing your life in a responsible way that you should be um, spending a lot of your time having sex? Uh, no, I think there are more important things to do in life. Just like I think that, um, you know, it, you shouldn't be having kids if you can't financially support those kids. But to put a dollar amount on how much money you should have in your bank account to have sex means that you're buying sex. It's one thing to pay for a date. It's one thing to have a good time. But, you know, some of y'all are just, y'all just out here buying sex. And I get it because, you know what I'm saying, if you like T.K. Kirkland and you, if you balling, big baby, then you can just pay for sex. But the idea that something that is so natural, something that you and I don't exist with, without right to put money on it it's fucking crazy I, I want him to go ask his mom and dad and say hey did y'all have 20 25 000 in the account but when, when y'all fucked and had me i want to go back and ask him hey when you lost your virginity how much money did you have in your account all right just just, just because you have money don't mean that uh, th that you are entitled to sex and i've seen this before like i've seen bro what 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 did Cardi B saying up? Broke uh, don't deserve pussy. I know that's right. Like, hold on, what are we really trying to relegate sex for those who just have money? I mean, the haves already have enough. Are y'all gonna take one of the best feelings right away from those who don't have? That is crazy. And on that post, I I, I saw people in the comments. Are we really gonna see where people's money at now? For one. You don't know what anybody's money is based on what they say on in the Instagram comment. People lie. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Ain't that what Jay said? But even bigger than that, like, I, I just think it's gross when we start putting money in places that money doesn't have to exist. And I feel like those who want to bring money everywhere are those who are defined by money. And they're not comfortable with being who they are without their money. Right. They, they they can't stand on their own personality. They can't stand on their own morals. They can't stand on that P. They can't stand on that game. They can't stand on that mouthpiece. They got to stand on that dollar. And if you stand on that dollar and your name ain't Dame, then that shit is lame. If we being honest, like. T.K. Kirkland, like, oh, you got to have 20000 Man, who the fuck are you to say how much? Who are you to be the, are you, 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 you the sex police? You going to tell people when they can have sex? And my next question becomes, why do you care? Is this person fucking you? Are they fucking your wife? Are they fucking your daughter? No? Then why do you care wh where they are, where, when they decide to, take their private parts and, and join their private parts with someone else's private parts. You know, Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook just missed the pass to Trevor Reza, but it's okay because Braun just got a nasty layup and they didn't call a foul and now he's getting a tech because the referees are terrible. That's two and ones he's got they haven't called in the first half. Referees make me sick in the NBA, but neither here nor there. It's just like it's so funny to see how, how people will try to say that you got to have money to have sex, but but I can be broke as hell and slap the shit out of you for saying something crazy to me. And now we balling. And the crickets are still out here, yeah.
keep keep scratching your legs, crickets. Cause that 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 that's what I was thinking when TK said that stupid shit too. Like, just just stop it. Just stop it. Now, again, I think that you should probably. I no, I truly think you should be um. Uh, 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 financially in a in a clean place before you start having kids, and I think that if you are choosing uh, uh, sex over going to work, you're irresponsible. But ultimately, your bills getting paid have nothing to do with me, and your libido uh, being pleased has nothing to do with me. If we're being honest, I don't care. <laughs> Do what makes you happy. But when you have good friends, you know, they tend to take care of you, right? And, and what are friends for, right? So I saw this post on Instagram uh, uh, yesterday as I'm recording today. Shout out to Christy Wayne. Uh, when I make the Instagram clip, I'm going I'm to tag you in it, Christy Wayne, uh, Herbalife and all of that. Shout out to Asia because I, I met Christy Wayne through Asia, right? So. Christy Wang is Asian. Asia is Afro-Latina, but I met an Asian through an Afro-Latina named Asia. But anyway, so the post was, it was a TikTok, right? And it was like, get excited because he texted me after he ghosted me or whatever, right? And the friend grabbed the phone like, who is this? And I go, that's not a good friend. And the response is, why not? And I'm like, because if you know Buddy being ghosting you and then he hits you back and you're still interested, that means you're okay with that dynamic. And just because your friend's not okay with that dynamic, that's not your friend's job to control what it is that you do in, in, in your life. Like, I got friends, and I've been in dynamics that my friends weren't, like, the biggest fans of. And guess what? They give me advice, and I would say... I'm not listening. I'm not. Thank you for the advice. I want the advice and I want the uh, opportunity to opportunity to say no to your advice. I want to be like, yeah, dog, I know what you're saying. I know it works for you. I know what you're telling me is the right thing for me. But I'm not going to listen because I'm my own man. I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm going to be dumb. But I think that, like, friendship dynamics between men and women are so different because I think as men, we allow our friends to do what it is that they want to do. And we're not going to lose sleep over one of our friends making a decision that we don't necessarily agree with. Whereas I think women feel some some obligation to taking care of their girls. Because if you think about it, right, when, when you're out and about, right, and, and, and every dude talks about this, when you meet a girl and then you, about, you think you're about to get you some ass and then her friend be like, uh-uh, no, we going home. No, 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 you can go home, but no, we, we, going, to my, we, we going to my house. You're home. No, girl, you can't go with him. Why not? Uh-uh, we don't know him like that. Well, I don't know her like that, so... We both don't know each other, and we both about to go do what we want to do. But you are in the, you are intervening into some shit that ain't got nothing to do with you trying to be a good friend. 
Whereas on the men's side of the house, we'd be going somewhere and one person disappeared. I'm like, hey, what's so and so at? I don't know. You talk to him? No, nah, he talked to short and he disappeared. Well, you ain't worried about now nah, he's a grown ass man. And I think that the way that society has created these gender roles where men take care of themselves and women need to be taken care of is that that's how we view each other when, especially when we're out and about and we're dating. So women tend to be more territorial over their friends and take care of them because society says that women need to be taken care of. Well, let me push back and tell you what Big Baby says. These women can take care of themselves. They don't need you, friend. They don't need a damn thing from you. They know what they're doing, and they're doing what they want to do more times than not. Don't get me wrong. There's some creeps out here who need to be stopped. Fuck them creeps. I'll stop them creeps. I'm not one of them. But when if your friend want to be stupid, you let them be stupid. Like, I remember I was talking to one of my partners about making a move one day, and then I went to go make that move. This was years ago, years, years, years ago, just, just for the Instagram, uh, the Instagram, Facebook podcast snitches. Yeah, this was years ago, years ago. When my, one of my partners said, bruh, I knew Charlotte was going to flake on your ass. And I was like, bruh, me too. I ain't mean I was going to try. But the fact of the matter was, he let me be stupid. And sometimes I think you women need to need to let your friends be stupid so that they can actually learn from their mistakes and you stop shooting from shooting them from mistakes. Because I can imagine you same women who want to stop your friends from making dumb decisions are going to stop your kids from making mistakes. And you're going to have punk ass kids who ain't never experienced nothing. And then when it's time for them to experience something, they're not going to know how to handle it. So if it ain't rape, if it ain't murder, if it ain't robbing. Let her do it. If she wanted to do it in the moment and she regretted it and she regrets it in the morning, let her live through that. Cause you don't, you don't learn. You don't learn un- until you, do you do that stuff? Like I've done some stuff that I regret it. And because I, I had those experiences, I don't make those decisions anymore because I don't want to regret what I was doing. Oh baby, you, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, baby, you. You've got what I need. Have you ever met a girl that you tried to date? But a year to make love, she wanted you to wait. Let me tell you a story of my situation. I was talking to this girl from the U.S. nation. The way that I met her was on tour at a concert. She had long hair and a short mini. Bro, I'm over here playing this music like they just gonna let me just play play music like this. You know what I mean? Because, like, you know, sometimes. You have friends in your life. And there are some times when you need someone. I will be by your side. But the point that I'm making is, you know, we all have friends. And and, and what is the role of your friends in your life, especially when you have a partner, right? Uh, so I put out an Instagram poll. Should your partner police your friends? And like over 90 something percent said no. 
And then I switched it up and said, what if the friends are of the opposite sex? And at the same time, I said, I got 90% said no. And I'm up this and I'm up the belief of that. Yeah, no, bro. I'm not trying to police my girl's friends. And to be quite frank, if my girl wants to police my friends, she's not. Not happening, right? If you feel some type of way about the friendships that I'm in with people of the opposite sex or even people of the same sex, because you don't like the influence that you think they may have on me, or you don't like the way uh, the, 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 the dynamic could be, let's have a conversation about it. And so this comes from a podcast that I stumbled across where these two couples were talking about friendships. And it was so interesting because both couples had different perspectives on it. I mean, two individuals from and damn it, get it together. An individual from each couple had a different dynamic on friendships and, and, and the relationship. One who had a bunch of male friends, she was a female, or excuse me, she was a woman who had a bunch of men friends, right? She had a, a dynamic of like, yeah, they're my friends. And then her significant other was like, no. Nah. Based on my experiences, that don't work. And I'm like, no. Nah. You insecure and you think they sticking your old lady. And even if one of them stuck your old lady back in the day, you think they still sticking her now. Why? Because with your friends of the opposite sex, that's what you did to them. So you wanna you you wanna uh, 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 project that on everybody else, and that's what I've noticed that some people really believe that because you're friends of the opposite sex that you you can't just be platonic, even if that friend is attractive, even if you are attractive to them, and even if y'all are attracted to each other, people don't understand that you can place boundaries in your friendship. And they go, well, how how permanent are those boundaries? Uh, they're temporary. They're temporary until they're not. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think that's a foreign concept for those who kind of lack the self-control in order to deal with it. Like, hey, look, man, look. I've had friends for a long time, and guess what? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be so honest with you. For me, with my with my girlfriends who aren't my girlfriend, I don't even be thinking about trying to like cross that line. That shit weird, and it has nothing to do with how they physically look or anything or anything like that. It's about changing the dynamic. I think some people don't actually value the dynamic of having a friend of the opposite sex. And they think that those friends are just dispensable. So they treat them as such. But when you run into somebody who operates differently and actually values their friends, you go, well, yeah, no, I see what you're saying, but I value this friendship so much that I'm not going to make a decision that would jeopardize this friendship to the point to where you may make you may value these friendships so much that you value them over bullshit relationships, right? Not not a real relationship, not a good relationship, but a bullshit relationship to the point that where it's like if your significant other goes, I don't like you hanging out with her. Okay. I don't like I don't like the way you uh I don't like the way you 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 drag your right foot sometimes. 
you can't fix that. I ain't going to fix this. But the point of it is, is that a lot of times people try to project their feelings on friendships, right? Instead of allowing you to, to live in your reality and not theirs. And now don't get me wrong. I think there's a level of respect that has to come with these things. There's definitely a level of respect because if you're hiding everything from your partner, then that's going to make them feel some type of way. Now, how they find out that you're hiding things, that's a conversation for another day. But nonetheless, if they know that you're hiding something from them with a friend, it's like, well, if y'all are just friends, if y'all are just platonic, what does it matter? And that's a two-way street because on one uh, one way it goes, it shouldn't matter. I'm just doing me. Um, and you can see this. And to another degree, it goes, hey, we have a dynamic that you don't understand that's going to make you uncomfortable, and I'm shielding you from that. And some people say that's not healthy, and I'll say, you do what works for you, and I'm going to do what works for me, and you mind your motherfucking business. Mom, this ain't a podcast for you, so if somebody tells you to listen to it, uh, turn it off. Dad, love you. This one ain't for you either. I love you, though, Pops. Um, But that's the thing, man. Like, everybody wants to make everything, this stuff one size fits all. Like, well, in my relationship, we did this, so you should do this. Motherfucker, I'm not you. I don't have the same temperament as you. I don't have the same partner as you. I don't have the same life experiences as you. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what works for me. And if you don't like what I'm doing that works for me, fuck you. I'm not here for you. And just like I'm not here for you, I'm not here for these fresh and fit motherfuckers because they are full of it. You know, I, I came on here last week and I talked about men have podcasts and women have captions, but I really wasn't really tied into these fresh and fit fuckers. So then I, I, I stumbled across a, uh, a, um, What's that man's name? Uh, and uh, uh, DJ Academics and Andrew Schultz talking on Academics Podcast. And they started talking about Fresh and Fit coming on uh, Schultz Podcast, um, Flagrant 2. And Schultz talked about how he didn't want to put the he didn't want to put put the show out. But, you know, I mean, he, he put it out because they wanted it out. And I go, shit, let me go listen to it. So then I go listen to it and I go, oh, yeah, bro, these guys are suckers. I mean, super suckers, right? Because they, one of the things I, I, I pulled from it was like pimp or be pimped. That's not real life. I understand that you you kind of want to make sure that you're not getting played, but you'll never find love if you if, if you're not gonna put yourself out there. If you're not afraid of being vulnerable, if you're not afraid of like expressing your feelings and getting your feelings hurt, you can never have your feelings fed. Now let me t- let me let me let me let me let me bring that shit back. You can't you can't have your feelings fed if you're afraid of having your feelings hurt, right? So they, they talked about this and in another quote they said the one who cares the least has the leverage. And they want more guys to care less. And I look at that, bro. Y'all are some, bro, let that hurt go. Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Who did you fall in love with and you thought that something was going to happen and then one day you got to her house and she was just like, screw you guys and gang him. 
And then you was like, what? And she was like, And, and, and that's what I, I take from those guys, man, because, you know, after they caught all the flack for their 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 talk on black women, I don't like a blackity black or a ghetto woman. I like a submissive. All the, obviously, you haven't dated multiple black women because guess what? Uh, you, you're categorizing black women into stereotypes. And that's fucking stupid. That's ignorant. That's racist. Because there are black women who have all types of different thought processes, different values, different cultures that they come from, different upbringings. So they express that differently. And and the Indian guy, I'm sorry, um, Schultz co-host, the Indian guy, he may, he was just like, hey, bro, y'all are some self-loathing. So self-loathing motherfucker, I can't get behind none of this stuff that y'all are doing. And he pretty much calling them out the whole time. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, bro. I mean, you're not wrong. And because of his sense of Indian pride, the fact that he wouldn't shit on Indian women, uh, the fact that he he's married to an Indian woman, uh, again, his culture pretty much demands that. He's like, bro, if y'all can't see what y'all are doing as being negative, then y'all just don't get it. If you don't get that, your whole your whole perspective is whack. See, if you love me when I fade to black, they need to fade to white or bright or something because them boys ain't black. Oh, hold on. They're going to say I'm policing blackness. They're black. But they're not the kind of black guys that I want to be associated with, you know, because they're fresh and fit and they're full of it. And the biggest part is that they're full of it. And by it, I mean... <laughs> because when you start seeing these self-loathing behaviors and you give these people these loud platforms you go you're doing so much more harm than you're doing good i don't care if you're getting numbers i don't care if you have a followership bro you have a followership of a bunch of broken a broken spirits who aren't trying to get healed you you, you know you talked about oh yeah our we do we do money Mondays and, and whatever, whatever Wednesdays and whatever Fridays you do all these different days. And you talk about what actually goes viral and it's when you're on your, Oh yeah. Womanizer Wednesdays. That's what really goes crazy. Then you're over here shitting on black women and that makes you go viral. Yeah. The clip came out, came resurfaced a year later and it wasn't properly contextualized, but then when you're on another podcast with the opportunity to contextualize it, you don't. You pretty much double down and say, I want a submissive woman. There are black submissive women, many of them. Well, I don't really date the dark skin. Like, oh, okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But to to try to to try to say that you're hearing what people are saying and you're just dismissing it and you can't see another point of view. It just lets me know where you all are. And it really hurt my heart to know that y'all are like 29, 30 years old and y'all aren't seeing y'all are seeing life from such a, a narrow point of view and that you have such a large following because that just lets me know how many men have this narrow point of view. And you talk about is play or be played. What type of women are you dealing with? What are you looking for? 
if you're dealing with sack chasers, yeah, it's player be played. But if you're dealing with women who actually want to be with you and date you, it ain't about player being played. It's about falling in love and cultivating a relationship that works for you. And sure, early on, there's leverage leverage matters, sure. And in, in certain spots, do you want to have leverage when making certain decisions? I mean, yeah. But at the same time, if you're so if you're so caught up on leveraging your relationship, you're not going to have a relationship. And these guys talk about, well, you know, I'm multiple women, so I don't worry. Yeah, well, and the best way to have your woman uh, act right is to keep on her toes. And all. I mean, maybe. Maybe keeping her on her toes is what works right. Or like Schultz said, like that's what gets you cheated on. Maybe you just are honest and you communicate what you want and what you need to your partner. And you try to get that out of them. You try to get that from them. And then you have a healthy relationship with somebody that you truly want to be with. And you're not worried about leverage. You're worried about love. But, you know, what do I know? I'm just a big baby. We're an hour and a half in. And I want to let you know that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You know, I I was listening to the wither with her kelly the gilbert arenas podcast with um on vlad tv when gilbert arenas went on vlad tv and he talked about how he caught hell for speaking on some certain women and i'm like you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder and as, as a black man who's not in a relationship with a black woman you know i feel more than qualified to speak on this because so often when you are a black man and you and you're not dating inside your race, people want to say, "Oh, so you don't you don't like think black women are good enough for you? You don't love black women? You don't think black women are attractive?" No, I love black women. I've been with more black women than any other type of woman. I'm attracted to black women. I think black women are beautiful. My mom was a black woman. My grandma was a black woman. Uh, my closest woman friends are black women. You know, my aunts are black women, my cousins are black women, and I respect who they are. I love what they are. And I hope to one day be a girl dad and raise a black woman. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. But none of that has anything to do with who I find myself with because I believe in finding love where it where where it seeks you out, right? Like you can't pick where you find love. You just find it and you go with it once you get there, okay? So I'm saying all of that to say that just because I'm with a, a specific woman doesn't mean that, like, I don't think other women are attractive. No, I'm just with who I'm with because that's who makes me happy. Because my relationship is just not built on looks. It's built on a bit more than that. And when y'all tell me that somebody is pretty and I can't comment on it, I don't like that because maybe I don't like her. And when y'all be posting certain women, like, oh, my gosh, she has uh, goals. Uh, j- j- just, you know, they hit me with the. When they start posting like these dark skinned women just to say that they're beautiful, too. Yes, some of them are beautiful. And some of them have great, flawless skin. but They have ugly faces. Just like some of these light-skinned women that get posted and they get all this credit, I go, she's fucking ugly. She has 
high cheekbones, lip filler, and Botox. That don't do it for me. But because that's the look that, that society is going with, the racial ambiguous look, people try to think that when you say a dark-skinned woman's not attractive, that you're shitting on her because she's dark-skinned. No, I'm shitting on her because she's ugly. I'm shitting on her because she's not attractive. has nothing to do with her skin tone because guess what? I like Gabby. I like Kelly. And those are just a couple off the top of my head, right? I can like Hallie. Ooh. Don't get me in trouble. I can like Drea too. You know what I mean? Like there's diversity in what I like just because, uh, just because your, your skin is a certain color. That's not why I like you. And I'm talking about me. I like who I like for why I like them. So guess what? Beauty is the in the eye of the beholder. So you, you listening to this, watching this, you can't tell me who to like. You can't tell me what's pretty. I'm going to tell you what I think is pretty. And if you don't like that, that's okay. Like what you like. But let's see where we can go. So I saw a post today on the gram of Insta. And didn't sit right with my soul. Didn't sit right with my soul at all. But let me find it. Uh, because the multiple people in my life posted it, and I'm just like, bruh, I think y'all are missing the forest from the trees. Here's the post. If a if a dude tell you, let's just see where it's going, y'all ain't going nowhere. Bro, what? If a dude tell you, let's just see where it's going, y'all ain't going nowhere. I put you in the same category that I put you in with those those fresh and fit podcast boys, right? You're operating from a place. You're operating from a place of weakness. You're operating from a place of mistrust. You're operating as somebody who doesn't believe in love and the promise that it gives because you don't want to love anybody for life because their love is why you live. You understand what I'm saying? Because guess what? The day I meet you, I don't know where we're going. I don't want to tell you, oh, I'm just looking for I'm just looking for a quick fix. Or oh, I'm just looking, I'm looking for a girlfriend. I don't know. Because I don't know you. It's like you want me to know your last, you want me, to, you just want me to be like, you know what? You want me to make a decision on you without knowing your last name because your last name don't matter because I'm gonna give you mine. So it's all it's all good. And I feel like this is single in single woman energy. I feel like it is it, it, it comes from the women who ain't really trying to to be with somebody. They're not trying to work for something. They want the Instapot love. You know what I mean? They don't want no Crock-Pot love. They don't want to get in there and work and simmer. And, boy, I got to wait on this. I got to trust the process. No. They want that Instapot love. They want that. You take this frozen piece of bird, you throw some shit in there, and three minutes later, oh, we eating. Voila. Magic. But you can't cultivate a true relationship like that. You need ups and downs. You need lefts and rights. You need experiences. You need to get to know one another. And you need to say, hey, yeah, I want to get to know you before I tell. I want to get to know you. And while I'm getting to know you, I might get to know somebody else. And while you get to know me, you get to know somebody else, and that's okay. And then if 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 if, if what we're doing makes sense, we 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 like, hey, you know what? I ain't got to know nobody else. I'm rested with you, my baby.
baby. And so now me and you, we together. And we're getting to know each other at much at, at a much deeper level. But when you're insecure, yeah, insecure, the HBO show that y'all love to watch, Insecure, I ain't, I've never seen an episode of Insecure, but I assume y'all like it because y'all can identify with it because it speaks to where y'all are in life. Insecure. So when you see the insecure shit, right, you 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 internalize and go, yes, that's right, Issa Rae, yeah, she knows what I'm going through. Okay, yeah. Because you're insecure. But the thing about being insecure, you don't want to live that way forever. Because then you have no security. And I, this idea of, no, you got to let your intentions be known the day you meet me. And if you ain't going to do this for me, this, if you're going to do this, 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 and this, if you ain't going to pay for my, my rent, my, 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 my child support, my, 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 my child support, if you ain't going to uh, buy me a new car, pay my car, my car note and all this, we can't be together. If you can't commit to me the day you meet me, then we can't be together. Well, who the fuck are you? I don't even know you. I'm not opposed to doing any of, no, hold on. I'm not paying your child support. I'm not. Covering your spouse support. I'm only paying your rent if we live together. That's me. I, I'm not future. I'm not spending two to three million a year on these birds. <laughs> Can't do it. But the point that I'm making is, is if you want true commitment from me, be patient. Let me get to know you. And don't be so, don't be so insecure, right? Don't be, don't have such a lack of confidence in yourself that once I get to know you, that I that you, I won't do these things. Don't ask for a commitment up front that is unrealistic. Don't ask for commitment without meeting my mama, right? <laughs> and not literally meeting my mama, but like, let's get to know each other before we decide what it is that we're going to do. I'm okay with creating boundaries. I'm okay with having standards. I'm okay with you knowing what you want, you know what you need. And I go, well, I don't know that yet. I'm trying to find it and I'm open to trial and error and I want to want to be with you. But I'm not going to tell you that I want to be with you without knowing who you are. I want to want to make this work. So give me some time to figure out if this can actually work. Okay, I've been going for an hour and 40 by myself. That's fine. But let's talk about TikTok. Let's talk about the tucker tucker. And um, I got a nice little post from Andrew Schultz again. Going to uh, Schultz. Because he has some good stuff on TikTok. Which is why I was hesitant to go to TikTok. And although I have a TikTok and I post things on TikTok. I don't uh, talk on TikTok. I mean, I don't it was consume TikTok. Here we go. The TikTok thing was a big deal. Because it was a social media platform we didn't create. So it's like, oh, shit, we don't want some other country's tech influencing us. In China, the way that the algorithm works, it doesn't reward people doing stupid dances and like playing with their dog. The algorithm is rewarding things that they want to see their youth do. Doing cool engineering. Oh, so people funny. doing oh, cool yeah. stuff. Oh, but yeah. if you're China and you wanted to disrupt another country, wouldn't you reward the dumbest possible shit, shit on that app? Twerking. twerking. People doing stupid dances. You want the next level of youth to go, I can be famous doing something that's truly worthless to society, yeah. not beneficial to society, like being an engineer, being yeah. a doctor. But this is how you get to manipulate your society into doing something good. 
and how you fuck over your competition right. into doing worth. It's it's genius. Uh, is that why Trump wanted uh, to get rid of TikTok? Yeah, probably. Yeah. You're doing That's a different shit. level of warfare. But this is how you fight wars. Now that we have enough military weapons so everybody can kill each other, we need to find other ways to fight. All right, so yeah, man, TikTok came from China, China, and uh, we all know that social media is manipulated by algorithms. Just like I opened this podcast talking about one of my posts from over a year ago on YouTube is now getting all this traction. People are like, why is this in my recommended? Motherfucker, I don't know, but I'm happy it's there. It's good content, and it's there because the the. These websites, these mediums that we practice on, they manipulate what what is seen, whether it's our money that gets us there or it's a topic that they want to capitalize on. That's what gets them what they need. And you look at TikTok. TikTok is Chinese. TikTok is, if, if you don't know, man, look, here's what TikTok was meant to do. It was meant to get Americans uh, hyped up on some stuff that they were already doing, but on a different platform that's not American to allow the Chinese to get an understanding of how the Americans work. This is what I truly believe. And I believe that now they understand our patterns, our habits. All they're doing is manipulating that to give us what it is that we think that we want and uh, take away from what we truly need. Because what Schultz talks about, he talks about how Chinese TikTok shows positive Chinese stuff, engineering doctors and all that stuff. And what we see on TikTok in America is twerking and, you know, changing clothes and all that shit. And these TikToks that take 30 minutes to make for 30 seconds of content. And you just be like, bro, you really spent two and a half hours to make 30 seconds of content? Are you getting paid? Shout out to Tyler Perry. He getting paid. So I ain't mad at Tyler Perry and I ain't talking about the director. I'm talking about TP, my guy. We're gonna get you, we're gonna get you on the pod soon. But the point that I'm making is is that the American TikTok algorithm is so dummy down. So now you're gonna have kids looking at TikTok because that's what they consume. It's the most popular website in the world, and they're gonna aspire to be what they see. Because that's what kids do growing up. And at some point, uh, uh, society hits them, reality hits them. They go, okay, bro, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. But, yeah, they, they 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 look at TikTok and they go, I want to be a TikToker. Okay, well, what works on TikTok? Some fucking twerker. Or somebody doing some dumb shit that don't make sense, right? But so many of the TikToks that are actually working, they're not well thought out. They're 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 not coming from a higher plane. They're not people who are doing uh, sustainable, positive um, things in their life. You know, creating career choices. Like we're not we're not putting smart shit on TikTok. We're not putting our young engineers on TikTok. We're not putting our young doctors on TikTok. We're not doing any of that shit. We're putting dumb shit on TikTok. We're putting you think about TikTok TikTok. TikTok, something as as simple as a clock, uh, um, each second, passing time. That's all it is. All we're doing in America on TikTok, it's passing time. And all China try, is trying to do is just take this time to pass us. And if we just continue to feed into TikTok, they go, we're going to keep passing time. They're going to keep passing us. And for us to continue to be the power that we need to be in the world, we got to get off TikTok and start telling some time. 
you know, thanks for coming here. I've been here for ooh, probably longer than I've ever been by myself, but hope y'all enjoy it. Big baby, yeah.